Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Hold Fast Podcast. I am your host, David Brandau. And to start this episode off, I want to do a brief recap of what we discussed last time. Last episode, I discussed the idea behind the meaning of the Hold Fast Podcast, and I talked about one of the reasons why it's important to hold fast. We looked at Deuteronomy chapter 10, where we saw it's important to hold fast because it is for your own personal good. It benefits you to hold fast. But today I want to go further. Not only is it important to hold fast because there's a benefit for you, it's also important because it's a response to and a reaction to God's lordship over your life. If we look again at Deuteronomy chapter 10, we read in verses 12 through 22, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods, and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. So we see God has done all of these great things for Israel. He delivered them from Egypt. He brought them through the wilderness. 
He delivered them to the promised land, and he has done all of these things for the love he had for Israel's fathers. So Moses says, therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. For us today, we use the children of Israel as an example of ourselves pre-salvation. Paul in the New Testament continually refers us back to the children of Israel as an example. God leads us, just as he led Israel out of bondage, to salvation through his son and leads us out of the bondage of sin and death and into eternal life. And just like the children of Israel, this is not a deliverance that we brought about ourselves. If you look at the story, God waits for Israel to believe in him, to call out to him, and then he delivers them. God steps in when we surrender to him because you cannot surrender to something or someone you don't believe in. And in line with the narrative Moses provides in Deuteronomy, God doesn't deliver his people because he needs anything from them. God delivers because he loves. And just as Moses tells Israel, because God has delivered you out of love, you shall fear him, serve him, and hold fast to him. So I say the same thing to you today. If you recognize God as your Lord, if you call yourself saved and delivered, You will fear him, you will serve him, and you will hold fast to him. But I want you to notice something here. This is not an exchange. God does not deliver his people in exchange for your fear, your service, or your faithfulness. He gives salvation, and the response of those who recognize it as his gift The response is fear, service, and loyalty. And this is completely in line with salvation by grace through faith and grace alone. But it is also in line with what James says, Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Just like in relationships, you can say you love your significant other, But how do you show that love? From the outside looking in, what are the ways people can see the love you have for your partner? How does your partner tell? How can they tell that you love them? Is it just through words because you said, honey, I love you one time? Or is it through continual action that your significant other knows that you love them? If you treated God like you treat your significant other, what would people see? And on the other hand, if you treated your significant other the way you treat God, what would people see? And here we get into an issue I see with many, many people. Many people don't treat God as if he is real. For many self-professed Christians, God is an imaginary friend who agrees with whatever it is 
they're doing, or at the very least has no opinion on it. And without getting too personal, let me give you an illustration. A lot of people speed, right? But if they see a cop while speeding, what's their general reaction? They slow down to become compliant with the law to avoid the repercussion of speeding. Why? Because that's a real world repercussion of lifestyle. There is no one making them obey the law until they see the cop. But if they had a cop in the car with them the whole time, do you honestly believe they're going to speed? Most likely, no. So when it comes to God, many Christians live their life the way they want to live it, regardless of if it's right or wrong, because there is no real-world repercussion they can directly link back to as a punishment of how they are living. And don't get this twisted. God is not looking just for where you mess up so he can catch you. True Christians don't walk around looking at their brothers and sisters, looking for opportunities on where they can catch someone else doing something so that they can get in trouble. Here's a good analogy. Everyone born is living their life on an airplane that is destined to crash into the ground. And there is one man standing in the emergency exit saying, come this way, follow me, I will give you a parachute, you can survive this. That man is Jesus. We can see throughout scripture where the Bible says Jesus did not come into this world to condemn it. But it doesn't stop there. Scripturally, Jesus did not come to condemn because the world was condemned already. If you do not choose to follow Jesus, he is not sending you anywhere. He is trying to save you from what is already going to happen. So when it comes to God, he is giving people every opportunity to escape a preordained and predestined destruction that will come about whether you believe in him or you don't. But the response of people is different. We see many examples of when repercussions do happen. You see some people who acknowledge a sinful lifestyle and say, this happened because I lived like this and God is punishing me. But we also have examples of people we know who say they're Christians who live a sinful lifestyle and say, why did God let this happen? Sometimes God isn't punishing you. If I intentionally hit my hand with a hammer, did God let that hammer crush my finger? Or is it because of my actions a negative outcome occurred? And this is the real point. People live this way because they don't believe God is actually real. 
If God was truly real to everyone who claimed they were a Christian, there wouldn't be pastors embezzling money, there wouldn't be adultery in the church, there wouldn't be domestic violence in Christian homes, there wouldn't be gossip or lying or backbiting amongst Christians. If God was real to you and you truly believed God saw everything, knew everything, was always with you, even unto the ends of the earth, as Jesus said, many of the reasons why people leave churches wouldn't exist. And in the absence of a higher power, self becomes God. How you feel becomes the driving force of your nature. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, how can David say many people or many Christians throughout this? And the answer is simple. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Verses 18 through 20, Jesus continues and says, A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. And in verse 21, again, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. By these three portions of scripture alone, we can determine those who are holding fast from those who are not. And this is the real meaning of this ministry, this idea of hold fast. You say you're a Christian, show me your fruit. You say Jesus is your Lord, show me by your fruit. I don't care that you attend church every Sunday. I don't care if you preach, pray, or prophesy. Show me your fruit. What do you do when you think no one is watching you? And by no means am I saying those who fall short or those who stumble and fall aren't holding fast. No one is perfect but Christ. Those who hold fast seek to obey the commands of God, and when they fall short, they correct the problem and continue. Those who are Christians in name only show by their fruit, by their actions, they cannot back up the claim of their profession. You will see them be confronted about their disobedience to the commands of God, and they will lie about it, hide it, and try to cover it. And this is the type of person who cannot believe God is actually real. If you know someone who lives a lifestyle of sin and their response is not to repent and change, but is to hide it because they have a reputation to keep, this person is not holding fast. They are not obedient to the commands of God. They want to look like they're holding fast. They want to look like they're obedient. They want to appear before men as a good and righteous person, but deep down inside, their motive is not to please God, but only to please themselves. 
And like I said, don't misconstrue the difference between someone who is growing and someone who is looking like they're growing. There are going to be mistakes. There are going to be failings. But look at the overall lifestyle. Look at the fruit of their life. I have people in my own life who I can see talk a good game. They volunteer on Sunday. But when you dig into when they think no one is watching, they're no different than the world. They are no different than an unbeliever. So I hope this is making sense. Hold Fast Project 311 is a concept, a biblical concept of a community that truly believes God is who he says he is. A community who acknowledges him as their Lord, who lives their lives as if he's as real as the day he delivered us, and strives to fear him, serve him, and hold fast to him. The Hold Fast community is a community who are unapologetically committed to the God who delivered them from their sin, not just in word, but in how they live. And I know this is another short episode for you guys. I really just wanted to complete the picture of what Hold Fast is as a community, the vision I have for it. I was talking to one of my pastor friends today. And I was describing to him the main idea. And really it's this. God isn't calling weekend warriors. God isn't calling people who will worship him on Sunday and Monday through Saturday live like the devil. And this is what Hold Fast is all about. Those who unapologetically fear him serve him and hold fast to him thank you for listening and if this podcast is something you want more of i'll be dropping new episodes every friday but until next week god bless and hold fast